This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Check this out. It is free. No, I'm serious. It's free, 100%. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor then distributes that podcast for you, and you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from that podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And we are back on Lauer After Hours. This is Mike Ryan fan account. I am beyond excited to share with you the conclusion of our amazing conversation with Jason Fitz. Bruce, you are up next. You have a question uh, about gigs being played. Up there. I do. How you doing, Jason? Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for, thanks for having me. I see your background. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, talk to me. What do we got? All right, so it kind of leads into that. So, um, my question is, what is the worst or saddest gig you ever played? And before you go, um, I'm going to tell you mine. With, and we were in Durham playing at this place called the Jolly Rouge, which was like a kind of like a pirate-themed bar. And no one showed up. And at one point, the sound guy left. So we were in a completely empty space, just kind of playing music, looking at ourselves like, uh, what are we doing? And it was like, well, I guess we'll just have a practice on the road. And so I'm kind of curious if you've had anything just crazy or just horrible stories, you know, this, you know, bands that show up that are just awful. And you're just like, why am I here in this like random bowling alley in New Jersey or something? Well, we, uh, I've got several of those, uh, amazingly, but, uh, when I was in a band that never made it, the band that I moved to Nashville with, and we were doing a bunch of shows and we were working on a record, we played this big barbecue cook off like finale thing in Kentucky. And what was hysterical is that we were supposed to go after the judging and there was going to be a concert at the end of the night from a band nobody had ever heard of. The craziest part about that is that the once the, it was like a Sunday night, once all of the judging was done, everybody pulled out, they all left. So we walked out on stage hyped because we've been booked for this gig and it was you know decent money. We're like, all right, we're going to do well. We walked out. I'm not kidding. It was a massive, like big, like sort of open area with probably a thousand seats, six people total in the crowd, six people in the crowd. We brought them up on stage and we just like, we just sat with them and we did our whole show acoustic for them because we were like, it's stupid. So, but we were like, you're here. So we might as well do it. But it is funny. A lot of people don't realize the inner workings in the music business. So it's not uncommon to sign a contract to play a show years before you play it. Like you might, if you have a single coming out and everybody thinks it's going to do well, a promoter might book you 18 months in advance to a show. And what they're banking on is, you know, that you're going to blow up and they're going to be able to charge way more for it. And you still have to honor your ask price on it. So you're, you might, 18 months from now, you might be playing a show that you're no longer getting paid your asking rate for, but that's just the way the business works. So 
uh, it was always funny to me that there was, and I don't even remember where the gig was, but I remember that we had just come off a number one with the band Perry and we walked out to a gig where the ceiling was so low and it had been booked, I'm sure long in advance. The ceiling was so low. I actually couldn't stand up and play the fiddle. Uh, if I played the fiddle, my bow would hit the ceiling and it would break it. So I remember looking over at our drummer who I've been friends with for so long. And I was like, Hey man, just remember if you get six, number one, someday you can play here too. You know? So it, it's just funny how uh, it's never what you think the business in general is never what you think it's going to be. You know, it, it is a labor of love because uh, you know, the, the, it's very rare to get in this spot where you're like, Oh, now we just play arenas every night and they're spectacular. Like that's just so rare. Fitz, real quick, if you can comment just really quick on when you performed at the Super Bowl. Yeah, so we played um, for Fox for the broadcast. We played, and it was funny because uh, what they do when they do those TV broadcasts in general is they tape one of your songs, but you still play a full set. So they have you come in, and you decide where you want the song to be in the set. Like, where are you going to be warmed up? How do you feel? Like, you want to make sure you're good. But it was like all these big wigs or whatever from the network, and they get a full show. But we knew that we were going to the Super Bowl in New York. So we, we knew we had tickets to the event. So we were like in the pregame show right before it started. So they actually taped, I think it was our third or fourth song in, and we taped it. And once we finished taping, it might be one of the worst shows I've ever played. Because all I was thinking about at that point was like, how many songs left till we get into the Super Bowl? Were they happy with the taping? But the funny thing is they actually grabbed us from the side of the stage that we played on, and they walked us directly into – uh, met life and we went down and we were eight rows off the field for the Super Bowl where Bruno Mars was the halftime show and it's funny that, that it's so surreal everything else that happened with the game that sometimes I forget we were even on that broadcast <laughs> that's super cool uh all right we're actually going to uh speaking of of uh playing music and just the 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 behind the scenes stuff we're gonna throw it to our favorite public servant uh the mayor from Cartersville Georgia uh mayor are you there I am. Thank you, Jason, uh, for taking time with us. And also thank you for answering the uh, direct mail question, the direct message on, on Butch Walker. So I won't ask you a Butch question since you never had a chance to work with him. Well, He's, you know, I, I, I really highly regarded, by the way. I mean, familiar with his work, but I don't know anybody that has a bad word to say about him. And, you know, I'm still pretty plugged in in, in the country music community and he's well regarded. So, you know, unfortunately, I haven't worked with him, but you never know. Might, might at some point. Yep, absolutely. So uh, my question is relative. It's it's also a pretty good connection. I'm in my real job. I actually manage a radio station, and I'm also responsible for a 500 seat performing arts center. And actually, have booked. I've tried to book Phil before and have not gotten him uh, at my doors yet. But we've had some other big name acts. But my question is kind of touching on both of those areas. The the comparison of preparing for a live musical event versus preparing for a live radio event. And, and how you approach those, the similarities and the differences on how you approach those? That's a great question. Um, the, the prep is a, a lot different before the light turns on. Um, but once you're in it, I mean, I, I genuinely believe that the reason that I've been successful in sports entertainment and, and media is because I was of, of everything I experienced in music. So when you're going on tour, you spend months in one room just working it over and over and over again. And it's tireless and it, it's hard work and nobody cares. And then you get out and you play the shows. And once you play the shows, then it's a blast, right? I think, excuse me, I think the the biggest similarity is what happens in the shows. Because a lot of people don't realize, and you know this, like when you book an act, you, you're contracted for 60, 75, or 90 minutes, for example. So 
that's a small detail, but it's a big detail in my position because I was what they call the band leader for the band. So somebody was in my ear giving me a, here's how much time we are into the set. Because if you go 88 minutes on a set that was booked for 90, you you can get in trouble with the contract you signed. So, you know, just little details like that. Or if, you know, if Kimberly or anybody else, uh, like if Phil wants to change a song, he turns around and he speaks into a microphone. So like I had a mic in front of me that was a vocal mic because I sang some of the background vocals, but I also had a foot switch. So if I stepped on the foot switch, I was talking in our ears to the other guys in the band. Nobody could hear it. So if KP, if, if Kimberly wanted to switch out an order of the set, she would turn around, give me a signal. I would then get in ears and I would tell everybody how to do it. Um, you know, audibles of when things go wrong. If, if a guy breaks a string and suddenly, hey, I got my my stage left guitar players down. So I got to make sure my stage right guitar player knows to cover this part. Like those sorts of communications, you'd be amazed if you actually go to a concert and you put in like an ear pack and you listen to what's happening while everybody out there hears music. I heard talking almost the entire time, especially because the band Perry was big on communication during the show. She never wanted to be caught off guard. So a lot of communication about where we're going, what's happening next. Uh, I remember one show where the entire PA system overheated in Arizona and it just died. And so it was my job in that moment to quickly turn around and look at everybody and say, hey, here, we have no power. Here's what we're going to do. So I say all of that because my first ever TV show, again, it was ESPNU, it's a small show. That five minutes before we went live, the producer walked in and he handed me a sheet, which in the sports business is called a rundown. And a rundown, I now know, uh, breaks down how the TV show is going to go block by block. So he hands me a sheet and says, here's your rundown. I looked at him and I said, great, what's a rundown? I had no idea. I'd never seen it. <laughs> and he's like, oh, my God, you don't know this. Well, we didn't do a rehearsal. Like, we didn't meet up. Like, I was like, no, I just, I know the topics. I got them written down, but I've never seen this. So he spent the entire show in my ear saying, hey. 30 seconds going to block three. And to this day, you know, there are times that I want people in my ears to come in and say, hey, 10 seconds till this, 15 seconds till this, we got this. So the amount of communication that I have in my ears, I'm only comfortable with because of the music world. So I think the grind, the the constant entrepreneurialism, the constant push to keep getting gigs, like these are all things from music that influenced me. But day in and day out, my ability to do radio when news breaks happens because I've dealt with, you know, there's this moment where you're like, I've had a camera in my face when I've had to realize that, you know, hey, something's going wrong and 14 million people are watching right now. How do we fix it? So it makes it much easier, you know, having done that to do that in the sports world. That's a great answer. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank, thanks for the question. It was great. All right. Uh, Stupak, I believe, is there. He wants to talk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a great name, right? Yeah, that is. That is spectacular. It's the best. It's the best. Stupak, are you there? He sent us a picture earlier. He was on top of a cell phone tower uh, <laughs> earlier. That's, <laughs> that's, that's how guerrilla style we're, we're putting this thing together. He's not there. He wanted to know. Uh, he, I think he called your show uh, and, and had a cam to the Pats take at some point. So I think he just wanted to brag that maybe he was like one of the early subscribers to that idea. Well, and he was right. I, I, I mean, I did get some tweets from people that were saying, hey, cam to the Pats. And I thought, nah, there's no way because – why would he take an incentive-laden deal when he can wait and see if there's a starting opportunity for him? I'm right. still surprised by it, but man, I'll tell you, it, you know, if you're if you're Stu Gotts and you were hoping that this was the beginning of the demise of the Patriots, <laughs> if, if Cam's healthy, it is not to me. If Cam's healthy, they are one of the three or four best teams in the AFC again, and right. then he's going to turn that into another long deal, and for the next five years, we're going to watch him kick everybody's butt. <laughs> oh man, uh, I'm I'm rooting for Cam. I'm 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 in North Carolina. I'm down here in Wilmington, uh, so uh, I'm 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 rooting for for good things for him. 
Um, all right. Uh, let's see who is up next. Uh, Barrett, you had some AFC South talk, I believe. You were up. I do, but with all this uh, music talk, I have to make a slight audible myself first. Go for it. On the MC episode, you talked about your first load in with stagehands and you were freaking out 30 minutes late and ran into the venue. Yeah. I have seen that. Uh, that's what I, so I am a stagehand and um, man, all this music talk is just got me thinking about the, and it was a country act also. I believe it was the opener for Chris Stapleton. Um, and we just finished building, you know, his big old dome thing. It was, it was, Super funny to see them getting help and not knowing how to delegate people. I mean, when you're used to loading your own gear in and out and setting up your own speakers and doing all that, and then you realize on your first day that you're getting paid to actually play a show that, that there are crew guys that, that do that, it is a weird feeling. You, you sit around the whole time, you're like, shouldn't I be, I should be doing something other than sitting and catering, eating bacon right now. Like there's something I should be doing, but no, it, it's absolutely, you're right. And I, I still think of that all the time. I was petrified and, and I often say not just because you're here, but it's the unknown portion of, of what makes tours work. The, the crew guys work their asses off. And, and I mean, the, our guys would get up in the morning and they, we, they'd start their breakfast and load in at 7 a.m. And we'd be headed off to the next city at one in the morning and they're coming in and they didn't get a nap and they didn't get the opportunity to do anything other than work their ass off all day. I mean, there, there's a reason why so, on some tours, crew guys make more than band guys because they should, because they work much, much harder. Yeah, the 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. nap time is real. Yeah, but, yeah uh, for sure. My football question, who is winning the AFC South, and why is it the Jags? Oh, <laughs> oh man, it's the Jags because they pulled off some miraculous uh, quarterback thing that we're not expecting. And, uh, look, I, I'm not – I just can't buy into the Jags. I don't uh, – I don't buy into repeatability for the Titans uh, as much as, and that'll offend all of my friends in Nashville. Um, Ryan Tannehill had a great year. I think Ryan Tannehill is a good, not great quarterback. Uh, Henry obviously had a great year. That offensive line is going to have a few question marks they need to answer. I think the Titans are a good team. They're a nine and seven type team, but I still look at the Texans as the most talented team in the division, but I don't trust Bill O'Brien. So now you're basically, it comes down to, do I believe in the Titans at nine and seven, or do I believe in, uh, you know, Phillip Rivers? And I don't, I mean, as a Raiders fan, as you guys can tell from everything I always watch, I've watched more Phillip Rivers uh, than most. And I don't think Phillip Rivers has anything left in his arm. I don't think he's going to be great. I just don't know that he has to. Like, I suddenly envision this Phillip Rivers that gets to the line of scrimmage and simply hands off. So the closer we get to the actual season coming, the more I think that Phillip Rivers is going to be mediocre at best, but that's still going to be enough to get the Colts to nine, maybe 10 wins. I think the Colts win the division and the Titans are scrapping for a wild card, which in the AFC is going to be brutally difficult to get because there are more, there are more teams in that nine and seven, 10 and six range than we think for the AFC. All right. We'll see how well this take holds up after the Jags win the division at seven and nine. <laughs> Into mania. Am I right? Wow. Yeah. Wow. I love the fact that you snuck in at seven and nine. Like, and let me be clear. I don't care for all the people that are like, we can't let bad teams make the playoffs. Screw that. I've been a fan of a bad team for so stinking long. I don't care if the Raiders win four games. If that somehow gets them the division championship, I'm celebrating a playoff berth. I don't give a damn about the rest of it. Oh, I just yeah. want to see a playoff. Yeah. 
Tell them, Fitz. We are talking sports on Lower <laughs> After Hours. More All sports. Right. Jason, I know, I know uh, you gave us an hour and you've been so gracious. We have just a, a few more questions. If you have time. Keep them going. I'm good. Okay. I'm fine. Fantastic. Thank you so much, man. All right. Um, uh, Beep Count is up next. He has a very cool question. Beep, go for it. What's up, Fitz? This is at Beep Count on Twitter. My wife is expecting uh, our second little beep uh, in exactly two weeks from today. Uh, and I have been... Uh, personally tasked with creating a delivery room playlist. Um, I need some help. And I'll open this up here to the to the whole uh, Lauer Ranger crew here. I need some help with this playlist because I'm completely out of my element with this. I mean, I don't have kids. And so my first thing is like, I am, I don't have kids. I don't know. So my first thought is that like anything super hype is only going to get really irritating really fast. So it seems like if she's already angry that you did this to her, and this is your fault, like if, if she's already angry about that, you need to go with something that's that's like soothing. I mean, not just because he's a friend of the show, but is this not when Kenny G makes his appearance? Like, do you not Ooh. do a full Kenny Ooh, G playlist? Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it feels like, uh, by the way, National Anthem, far better on a fiddle than it is on any wind instrument. You can tell Kenny I said that. Uh, uh, but, uh, and I do have the tattoo of playing the national anthem for my beloved Raiders. Thank you. Uh, but wow. uh, no, you go full, you, you go full Kenny G. If you, uh, if you go classical music, uh, you want to go like something that's going to be really down the middle and like really sort of cheesy, like go as much Bach as you possibly can. You can, you'll like, you're never going to make anybody feel like they're on an emotional roller coaster with Bach. What I don't want you to do is end up with somebody that, you know, you accidentally put in Vivaldi in there as much as I love Vivaldi. I know we're going like cheesy, cheesy, cliche composers, but you put Vivaldi in there, you're going to get some anger when it comes to like (laughs) summer and winter. You don't want that. So, you know, go Bach and Kenny G. It's a mixture of the two. First thing I thought of was salt and peppers, uh, push it. Yes, um, that's just, what I was going to say. Yeah, that, that is uh, for the joke. <laughs> is, you know. is birth the time awesome. to be ironic and funny? I don't no, know. No, it's I not. Mean, oh. Yes, <laughs> nailed it. Nailed so it. With, with, with Mrs. Beep Count, yes, being funny and ironic is 100% in play. Um, oh, then if first, that's in play, then if that's in play, you go all themes that have something with the word like baby in it or push like push it baby got back like anything that has like if some reference to you know uh, in, anything that you can find a reference to with a kid in it you take all day kid and play what kid and play beep count there's a bob barley uh, exodus yes our, our our first little beep was uh born to hurt so good john cougar melon camp so <laughs> oh my god uh if you, time out, if, if you could time out if you could time out uh, born in the USA as the, uh, I mean, obviously born in the USA is like, it's gotta be the end. Right. Like, so, you know, that's a, that, that's where you finish because these little beep is born in the USA. That's right. Great question. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to hit you up on Twitter, uh, at like, we'll have to get this list, uh, compiled like an ongoing, you know, uh, uh thing that grows over the next few days. Um, real quick, uh, Jeff, are you there? I am indeed. All right, you got a question about the uh, the hot dog eating competition, I believe. I do. Hey, Fitz, it's Hi. Jeff from California. How are you? Good. Um, allow me just uh, two brief statements before I get my question out. Uh, first, I'd really like to thank you for your thoughtfulness and uh, the depth in which you're going with your answers. Um, and second, I'd like to say, Go Chargers! Wow. Um, wow. 
Boo. Way to do that to our guests. Like he's been so thoughtful and nice of his time, and he just sandbags you with that. I, I, I'm I'm just finally glad that I met the Chargers fan. I heard there was one, so you know maybe yeah, this should be easy. The good news is that when they shut down the stadium, it won't hurt sales to you know season tickets. You'll be hey, fine v- with that. There are there are at least seven of us. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but social distancing maybe eight. no problem at the Chargers bar. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know I'm sad about it, but I had to give you crap regardless. I love it. So it seemed like you and Gojo really had a good time with the uh, with the hot dog contest, and you know it's kind of a fun, silly thing. But my question is, and particularly in so far as that you were to my to my recollection, you were like the sideline commentator on this, so you were probably closer than most other people. How gross is it, honestly? Oh, it's disgusting. And anybody that tells you it's not is totally full of it. Like, so here's your fun fact. They, I talked to all everybody the day before, and I asked what they were concerned about. And the number one answer that I got was noise. They were concerned about hearing each other eat because it makes such a guttural, loud noise oh, that apparently they were taping a documentary on Joey Chestnut uh, a while back. And there was no noise. They usually pump in noise when guys practice. There was no noise. And he stopped 30 seconds in. And it was like, I, I can't do this. This is disgusting. Excuse me. So they made a last second decision to pump in some noise in the room because Nick, that was weary, that was to uh, Joey's left, if you're standing on stage, uh, Nick was worried about hearing Joey eat and it being a distraction to the number that he could put up, which I thought might be an exaggeration. And then I stood there and I was like, this is, I mean, it is the sound of gagging and just over and over and over again for 10 minutes. It, it's, I I was a little worried I was going to puke, and then Mike hoped to turn into like a Family Guy thing where I puke, so he pukes, so everybody pukes. But we didn't get that viral sensation moment. Well, that that that's understandable. That sounds truly horrifying. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you for your answer. All right, I think uh, I think this is the last uh, question we've got. Uh, John in Miami uh, had a comment or question about your tattoos, I believe. Hey Fitz, I was just wondering about the um, if there was a theme to your tattoos or. Um, which which ones are particularly important or nice and that you like? Yeah. No, I, thanks for the question. Uh, yeah. So my left arm uh, is my wedding invite. So it says I be wed and my wife's name and my name on my anniversary. Uh, that's taken directly from uh, there's a company in Nashville called Hat Show Prints that used to make uh, still do. They make all the like really cool sort of artsy looking concert promo posters. And so uh, when we got married years ago, I, they made our wedding invites. So I took that to an artist and they replicated it on my arm. I wanted ID Wed to come down my arm when I played piano and our anniversary to come up my arm when I played fiddle so that I could sort of uh, pay homage uh, to her. My right arm is a skyline of everywhere I've ever lived, buildings from all the places I've ever lived in my life, and then neon signs that represent the moments in my life that I'm proudest of. So like the Super Bowl, American Music Awards, Billboard Awards, Grammys, things like that all run up and down. And that's why uh, there's actually ESPNU is on the back of my right arm uh, representing my first show and uh, the, the outline of the Raiders symbol with the American flag in it from playing the anthem. So that one, uh, you know, obviously a lot of significance. And then uh, upper half of the left arm last year, we lost one of our dogs. And uh, so I got a cartoon caricature of one of the dogs uh, with uh, her ashes are actually in the tattoo. So everything for me has tremendous meaning and is tremendously thought out. Oh, thanks. 
Yeah, and it's funny. I when I was on the road, uh, I used to go to schools often and uh, talk to music kids about you know sort of what life is like and you know try and give like let's face it. If you're a little string kid in middle school, high school, you don't feel the coolest. So trying to go in and give a little bit of, of uplifting build. But it was funny. We were in Fresno and there was a principal that wouldn't let me in because my tattoo showed. And they finally relented because it was the middle of summer. I didn't have a long sleeve shirt. They relented yeah. and let me in. And when I came in, all the little, there were a mix of little kids to high school kids. And they were all staring at my arms. And the first thing I told all of them, and this is what I always said, when kids looked at him is like, Hey, I waited until I was in my upper thirties to get tattoos. And I'm proud I did that because my right arm being so representative of my life, if I had done that in my twenties would have looked totally different. And I wouldn't be nearly as happy or proud of it as that I am. So I actually mm -hmm. used it as a, a, a teaching point to say, Hey, like wait on tattoos. And the principal <laughs> came up afterwards and apologized. So it's like, Hey, you can't judge. You know, I, I realize tattoos have less stigma, but it was funny. You, even when I first started at ESPN, there, every show I've ever done, there's it's still to this day, there's a conversation tattoos out tattoos, not out. And, you know, it's a, it's a constant thing because not all the viewers uh, feel like it's respectful air quotes for somebody on TV to show their tattoos. That's a fantastic um, answer. Thanks. Thanks. Is I, I makes me think of the mayor from footloose or something. Uh, that principle. <laughs> Good Lord. Yep. Um, okay. So uh, I, I lied to you. Um, everybody is like chiming in on the chat about like, I've got another question. I got another question. We do this like little thing uh, called a lightning round at the end. Um, before we do that, I think Asom's got a question and then just uh, pepper you with some quick ones. Uh, don't want to take up your entire evening. Thank you so well, much. Well, as you can, as you can see, I, I'm so brief in my answers. Uh, that's one's on me. All right, go ahead. You're doing great. Asom, go for it, man. Uh, thanks a lot, Fitz. Obviously you're in a closed room. There's no great Dane that's going to be, uh, crashing right. the Zoom, which, which is okay. Uh, love seeing him online. My question is, not that it's fan on fan crime, he's going to be a future guest. Who's a bigger Raider fan, you or uh, Randy Scott? Oh, me. And, and oh. look, this is a simple answer. Like, if Randy Scott says him, tell Randy from me with love that he can kiss my ass. Because, uh, you know, th there was – I was on <laughs> one of my first uh, Raider uh, radio shows that I did for ESPN in any form was a, a show with Jordan Rogers. So they put Jordan and I together for a Sunday night NFL recap show. And I had a real issue with that show because there was like, for me, I had to stop watching games at a certain time to get to the studio. And like, and then I was missing a lot of stuff and we were on air during a Sunday night Raiders game and he was talking to me and I just didn't respond. And Jordan on air was like, Hey, Fitz, you, you have to actually talk while the Raiders are playing. And I'm like, not if you want me to follow FCC <laughs> rules, I don't. So last year, Randy Scott takes, you know, he takes the opportunity to be on ESPN radio Sundays and he did a great job, but he's part of the NFL Sunday coverage. I, I could never do that. Like there's no way that I could sit in a studio with other adults and not be judged for what I say during a Raiders game. So <laughs> that in and of itself proves my fandom. Randy, Randy's got nothing. He's a nice second chair to my first and fandom. Great answer. Great answer. All right. Before we, uh, I'm actually, I'm going to kick it off. I'm going to throw it to steak. Uh, after this question, I've just got, I got a very specific question for you. Um, which is the best country song where a ghost teaches you a lesson in one night? Is it <laughs> Ghost, Ghosts of Mississippi by the Steel Drivers, The Guitar by Guy Clark, The Ride by David Allen Coe, Marie Laveau by Bobby Bear, or The Devil Went Down to Georgia by Charlie Daniels? I have to say Charlie, right? But, uh, I mean, I have to as a fiddle player. Like, there's, there's a bond, and, and given sure. his recent passing, but... Can we also all acknowledge that there's a fatal flaw to that song? Like, 
the devil definitely won. Right? The devil solo is cooler. Oh, it's like, thank you, thank you. Okay, not even All like right, yes, awesome, Johnny. Yeah. You lost <laughs> yeah. to the devil. Like I, I don't know. This is like the the Olympics in the eighties. Germany was definitely on the on the take yeah, or something. Like, yeah. there's no way. There's no way. Singing about your uh, your grandma's dog and uh, chicken in the bread pound picking out dough. Like that doesn't cut it with with that uh, that devil's uh, band backing band. I'm, no. I'm right there with you. All right, uh, Steak, are you there? You're going to kick off our lightning round. I'm here. Fitz, what's up? This is Steak Sauce in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Steak Sauce, let's go, man. I love that name, by the way. You guys let's have go, the man. best names. <laughs> Thanks, brother. I want to tell you, we've had some pretty big guests on here. Uh, let's see, we've had Izzy Gutierrez, David Sampson, Chris Cody. And uh, this was the first time my wife actually got excited when I told her who the guest was. She uh, oh, she wow. loves the band, Perry. <laughs> <That's, laughs> so thank you, man. That's amazing. Well, no, tell her thank you. I, I, <laughs> Those are much bigger names than me, so I appreciate it. <laughs> Not to her. Um, my question is, is Clark Griswold the greatest movie dad ever? Oh, there, no doubt. I mean, the great, the realest movie dad ever, because we've all sat there. Like, we've all been there with our dads when they're putting up the Christmas lights. And, yeah, there's there, there's a I, there's a lot of me in Clark Griswold. So I, I can't, yeah, he's bar none the best. Great question, Steak. Um, uh, let's see. I believe, I don't know if uh, Aaron is here. Somebody mentioned it. We always ask gas station sushi. Yes or no? No, but air, airport sushi. Yes. I have okay. my mind changed on airport sushi because I've always been out on airport sushi. Like why am I going to go to the Nashville airport and get sushi? And I think it was Chris Long that tweeted out. Why is everybody anti airport sushi when sushi's in fact flown into most places? So the freshest place would be an airport. My mind was blown. So now I'm all in on airport sushi. I'm not sure he's correct on that, but I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to question it. I dig it. I dig it. Uh, I think Barrett's got a lightning round question. Barrett. All right, Fitz, real quick. Your fingers turned into condiments, and those are the last five condiments you get for the rest of your life. What are you choosing? Heinz 57 sauce, uh, barbecue sauce, mustard. Um, what kind? That's a huge thing around here. What kind of mustard? Cheap-ass yellow mustard. Don't give me the fancy stuff. I don't need any of that. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't need, like, Dijon. I'm not the... Uh, let me think. Um, hot sauce, like Frank's hot sauce. I'll go Frank's hot sauce. So is that four or three? Let me see. No, four. I think before. I think before. You're at four. Um, wow, that's so. What's my fifth one going to be as a condiment? Does blue cheese count as a condiment? Are we counting dressing as a condiment? Sure. Would we count ranch? I mean, oh, Wisconsin I person probably. I would count yeah. ranch, so I think <laughs> blue cheese has to count. Yeah, I, I'm taking blue cheese because ranch is just glorified mayonnaise and mayo sucks. So I'm all in on blue cheese. What? <laughs> I got a whoa, whoa. I got a mute. Yeah, I left my hot take. I left my hot take for Co the end. Coach yeah, is out. Coach is out. He's not, not going to take that from somebody who doesn't understand mustard. So just, I'm out. Yeah, you know what? Uh, apparently somebody in this chat's bougie because if you like your mustard any, any way other than yellow, then you're fancy pants, all right? Honey <laughs> mustard, Arizona heat. Ground stone, brown, spicy. Okay, horseradish. Is it all oh, yellow? horseradish. Now I love. Okay, yes, all, all, all. That is a good point. But we know what I'm talking about. We're talking about that yellow that only exists in mustard and crowns. Like that's it. Yes. Uh, horseradish is a strong. I didn't think about horseradish as a condiment. Might have to put that in replacement of blue cheese because you add horseradish wow. to anything and it gets better. Oh, we're back on good terms. All right, good. All right, Cody Cavalry, you got a question. All right, what's your go-to breakfast and go-to lunch at the ESPN Cafe? Oh, okay. So the go-to uh, go-to breakfast, I'm like I tried to eat healthy while I was doing Golik and Wingo. So 
I became the, uh, this is, everybody laughs at me and makes fun of me. I, I got a breakfast wrap every morning with a low carb tortilla that had a veggie patty on the inside and avocado. So like just trying to stay healthy, like uh, breakfast for me, if my go-to favorite breakfast, I, I don't know, I eat a lot of eggs. Like I'm an eggs fanatic, but I, I've tried to limit my, my, you know, I'm trying to go more plant-based. We'll see. Uh, go to lunch at the cafe. They have sushi and it's, I'm a sushi uh, I'm a sashimi fanatic. So like give me as much raw fish with as little rice as possible. And I'm all in for that. So that's my go-to lunch there. Jeff, uh, I believe you had a, uh, a lightning round question. I did. Uh, so Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I recall you discussing the shaving of your arms for the popping of your tattoos, basically. How big of a pain is that? And could you discuss that process for us, please? <laughs> yeah. So when I when I saw my tattoo artist, she said that for the first one, she said, look, not everybody does it, but if you shave your arms, the color will pop more, especially because like I'm Polish and Irish, I'm super fair skinned. So they said the color will pop more. The funny thing is for the longest time, I only had one done and nothing on this arm. And nobody ever noticed that one arm was shaved and the other arm wasn't and so it like you just don't see it until you realize and then michael jr made fun of it until he tried it one time and then he's like wait what do you know the color pops way better if you shave your arms so yeah every day i shave my like i barely ever shave my face but every day i have like a little straight edge like dang it dang it i got that down and then like there's a particular bath and body works mint lotion that is awesome for keeping them super shiny so people always think my tattoos are new even though they've been around for several years i will say this if i had known I would have gotten laser hair removal, but you can't do it after the <laughs> tattoo because it affects the color. So oh, if yeah, I ever have to continue my life down my legs, then I will get my legs laser hair removed like the man that I am. <laughs> Sounds about right. Appreciate it very much. Thank you for your answer. There's no doubt that I was going to get in shaving my legs somehow into this uh, to only prove my, mandom, <laughs> my manhood at a higher level. Fantastic. What a great answer. Uh, Jason, I, I, I see this with, I see a chat here that says, Who's bougie now? That is a fair point. That is a fair point. I have a weakness for Bath and Body Works. I like I do. I like when when three wick candles go half off, I'm like, and then I walk in the store and they all think that because I'm a guy walking in the store alone that right. I need help. I do not. I know how to work the system. I know the coupons. I got them in my phone. I know how to get this. I just went last weekend because select candles were 75% off. I am bargain oriented. I got my <laughs> holiday Christmas candles already ooh, uh, yeah and then the little mint lotion I don't, I, so I, really I, in all of us i don't <laughs> think i don't think that makes you bougie i think that makes you a man of the people using your coupons bargain hunting like just because you like nice sense and you like to take care of your skin doesn't make you bougie uh danielle's choice in mustard uh french not being good enough for her uh i think is far more bougie than, it has a place uh, it has a body place works. Right, it, we agree fingers. it has a place at the at the top of the no. the, oh. <laughs> the mustard like tree. Like if there was a mustard Olympics, there's only one award given out, and it's to right. yellow mustard. Like I agree, I agree. Maybe like a participation award. Wow, wow, we're back to fighting again. I didn't know that was going to happen, but I know we, I, I'm. I like we're on again, off again. I don't know what's happened here. If we're taking <laughs> sides, mint lotion is more bougie. No, oh, that is. I, you know, I don't really have an argument. I want to have an argument against it, but yeah, no, you're right. Mint lotion is fairly like a, because it can't be any lotion. That one type of lotion works best yeah, on my tattoos. Yeah, you're right. Bro, I, I'm on that tea tree oil shampoo life, so oh. I'm not going to give you any crap for bougie. I mean, I'm Night. telling you, like sport clips when they introduced me, like the tea tree oil with the little head massage thing, like 
Junior laughed at me when I had to do those sports club. You know, we get to do those reads sometimes on radio. And he was talking about sports club one day and I just took it from him. I'm like, look, you don't even have hair. Like if somebody's <laughs> going to talk about the MVP experience, it's going to be me because I right. get it and I love it. So yeah, yeah. I'm all in on the tea tree also. Danielle, tell Fitz how many uh, mustards you actually have in your house, and he'll understand where you're coming from. I've got like nine to the point where Coop's Mustard follows me on Twitter, so and they've retweeted my <laughs> mustard. So I Maybe, don't know. You know what? It, it, tell you what. So just shoot me some mustard suggestions at some point, and I'll just I'll I'll have a weekend where you know for no particular reason I'm snacky, and I'll try eat, like. I, I, you know, I'll try each of the different mustards with my, uh, with my meal. We'll, we'll just go that way. So since you love Wisconsin so much, Middleton, which is right by Madison, has a mustard museum with thousands of mustards on display. It's incredible. There's like a whole wall where it's state by state, all the mustards. They have taste testing. Add it to your list. You need to check it out, and then you'll maybe find an appreciation that it deserves mustard museum and incredible are things i didn't know i'd hear in the same sentence i feel, I feel sounds, enlightened I, I i am falling asleep just hearing that phrase mustard museum i, I hope you <laughs> never get that far down on your list that you'd take her up on that so. you can throw a ring and if your ring lands on a bottle of mustard you get to take it home for free i mean has just just a question has this sales pitch ever worked in a group text to get people to want to go to the mustard museum because i'm just imagining i get that in a group text i'm like eh, i'm good guys this is the first we've heard of it group outing <laughs> yeah let's go guys after the pandemic's over <laughs> jason the pandemic i think i think we like i think we got through everything um i think that's all the questions that we had does anybody else have any parting uh, questions real quick? He's being super gracious with his time. I know we're like 30 minutes over. Um, we're, we're, uh, we're having an outside the lines moment where, you know, we're calling audibles and, and uh, you know, uh, just, just rolling one. with it, man. Uh, Pamela has a question. I've got one. Got one more. Hi. Okay. So what is the best Clark Griswold movie then? Since he's the best movie dad, which one is the best one? A Christmas Vacation. I mean, oh, I, I, I am a. I knew it. I knew it. Of course. I will watch Christmas Vacation in the middle of June. Don't at me. I don't care. It's it's an American classic. It's not a Christmas movie. It's a perfect movie. And yeah. I mean, that's what I always think of. You know, and and I was saying earlier how there's a lot of Clark in all of us. I, you know, it's funny when I was a kid, my dad always had the same the same sequence of words that I won't repeat that he said in the same order every time he put the Christmas tree up. It was always. GD, mother effer, mm -mm, son of a B. Like, it's always in that same order. And I remember when I moved out, like, on my own, the first year I was putting together a Christmas tree, like a little fake one, one of the, something broke or whatever. I gave that same spiel in the same order. So every year that you see him, like, dealer with just hands, he's like, Russ, it's a little bit of a knot. You know, there, there's a moment where I look at that and I'm like, we've all lived that, like, any of us with our dads or our moms about Christmas time and about like this building up family to be something it's not going to be for that. Like that movie is so perfect because we've all lived it. And like, you feel some sense of normal when you watch it. Perfect. My kids answer. I have three teenage girls. And when I ask them to any question where something is, who has it, the standard answer is, I don't know, Margo. <laughs> always, always. <laughs> that is, that's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. Hey, Fitz Jr. hasn't seen it still, correct? I don't know that he had. Like, uh, he hadn't last time I talked to him about it. I right. don't know if he changed that this Christmas. But it's amazing how, for a guy that watches so many movies and TV, 
But at the same time, like I remember when we were in Nashville for the NFL draft, he had to go on a day where we worked the morning show and then had a quick break and went and did the draft all night. He spent that break going to see the last Avengers because it meant everything to him. Uh, I think uh, Dr. K and uh, Drake Cody Cavalry had uh, one more question. Uh, you can plead the fifth if you want, um, but behind the scenes, um, Golic or Wingo, who's the alpha? Oh, is it possible to have two alphas? Um, I, I think both guys are super opinionated in where they want to go. And I, I actually think that's a really good thing, you know, uh, like as cheesy and uh, like not even taking the, the fifth on this, but there, there's a moment where if somebody comes in and says, Hey, here's a topic. And those guys aren't interested in it. One of their strengths is that they're like, Nope, we're not doing it. And I think that that like learning to have that confidence in what you're comfortable talking about or not gotten talking about is a big, big deal. So they're, they're both pretty alpha male. They're also both really good at knowing what they don't know. So, you know, you'll, you'll see both of them. Like if you're hosting a show with either of them and they feel like you're on a roll, I think what's cool is to have two people that have been around ESPN so long that will step back and let you take that momentum and have that moment. So I, they're, they're, they're both pretty alpha. And there's a definite line between like senior and Trey. And then like, there's a line and then there's junior, you know? Uh, and and <laughs> I, I think junior would admit that too, you know? And, and, and then yeah, there was like a big, a, a big gap in me when I was on that show. So for right. sure. All right, Dr. K. If you're walking into Wendy's and you got no consequences or side effects happening, what are you going to get? Two junior bacon cheeseburgers, uh, a large fry, and then I'm going to get the Frosty. But the Frosty, the large chocolate Frosty, don't at me that there's other flavors. That's trash. And I'm not going to combine my fries and my Frosty. Like, they're two separate entities. I don't need fries in Frosty. A Frosty is a perfect, delicious dessert. I don't walk around putting potato chips in my Dairy Queen. I don't need to put french fries oh, you should. in my Frosty. No. I cannot believe that you don't dip your fries in your Frosty. All right. Hey, this is the lightning round, guys. Let the man have his, <laughs> let the man have his say. But biggie you fry. It's biggie fry, not large. Yeah, that's, you are right. You are correct. <laughs> that is that is fair. Uh, but it's two junior bacon cheeseburgers, not a oh, double. Yeah. Yeah, like the junior bacon cheeseburger is the perfect proportion of meat cheese bun. So yeah. I want that multiple times. If I'm particularly hungry, maybe a third. I'm a big eater for a little guy. <laughs> All right. Bruce has a yes or no question, and then we are going to let you go. Uh, obviously, you can tell we're all talkers, and we will keep you here literally all night. Uh, Bruce, go for it. Thanks. Jason, thanks for coming on with us. Uh, we're doing this the last couple of times. It's been really neat seeing professionals come with on with us, and we can see why you guys are professionals, and we are fans of the show. It's always really exciting to see how well – prepared you guys are even for like a little podcast like us but uh yes or no have you ever pooped your pants uh, no i have not pooped my pants but i like the way you sucker me into that like you yeah, thought, and, and this is a weird thing like another juniorism like we're hosting a show one day and he just throws out like that everybody has pooped their pants and it's like no that is that is not the case and frankly as i know has been a relevant conversation in everybody's world i don't shower be in the shower yeah. I, don't, oh. I don't i don't be in the shower Wow. It doesn't like to me, it doesn't seem like a necessity. Like the toilet is right there. I always pee right before I get in the shower. Like it's just a habit. Like there's two types of people in in this world those who poop their pants and those who lie about it. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying I've never peed in the shower. Like of course, like sometimes a little you know pee comes out, but like I don't as a destination, I'm not like, oh I gotta pee. I'm gonna just hop in the shower. Like that just doesn't that doesn't happen. Like so, you know, as a general rule, not a shower peer. And no, sure. I have not pooped my pants. 
All right. You heard it here first on Lauer After Hours, ladies and gentlemen. Not a shower peer, not a pants pooper. Jason Fitz. Uh, (laughs) Can we get, uh, before you you go, uh, on the count of three, uh, thank you, Fitz. Uh, One, two, three. Thank you, Fitz. Fitz, 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 Fitz. Thank you, Fitz. Thank you, Fitz. You're too kind. It's always terrible. I will say quickly to you guys, uh, as cheesy as it sounds, everything I've ever done in my life has been fan supported. Like I've never had a job that wasn't essentially paid for because people took the time to whether it was listen to music I make or whether it's me sitting in front of a microphone. So I just I genuinely and I, I know I speak for so many of my peers, but I genuinely appreciate the level of care that you guys have, like the level of give a shit that you have to the work that I create is the only reason that I have a job. So I just, I, I really appreciate you guys putting yourselves out there, being, you know, open and honest about what you love to watch and why you love to watch it and giving me any equity that you have in your space for entertainment means the world. So I, I genuinely appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you Fitz. so much, Fitz. We, we really appreciate your time. You could not have been more gracious with your answers. And uh, this was an absolute thrill. Um, thank you again so much. And uh yeah, Will, I can't wait to start listening to you and uh, and, and the commish uh, back on the radio, uh, 7 to 9 p.m., starting uh, August 17th, I believe, right? Yep, August 17th, 7 to 9 p.m., ESPN Radio, the ESPN Series XM Channel 80. Fantastic. Oh, That's a professional. Thanks, That's how you do it. I want to get on that level one day. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Fitz. Appreciate it, man. Hey, thanks, you guys. I, pr- I genuinely appreciate you having me. Y'all have a great night. Absolutely. You. you too. So is Pam Thanks. the new resident thirsty girl? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I'm in love. I'm just going to say it. I'm in love. That's awesome. You guys are that so good at this. That was so good. And that will conclude our combo with Jason Fitz. As always, this is Mike Ryan Fan Account. Thank you so much for tuning in, supporting what we do. Hope to bring you back more soon. <laughs>